0: Christy Jackson and the Olympians, The Sea of Monsters, by Rick Riordan, Book 2, Chapter 5. I Get a New Cabin Mate. Ever come home and find your room messed up like some helpful person, Hi Mom, has tried to clean it and suddenly you can't find anything? And even if nothing is missing, you get that creepy feeling like somebody's been looking through your private stuff and dusting everything with lemon furniture that's kind of the way I felt seeing Camp Half-Blood again. On the surface, things didn't look all that different. The big house was still there and its blue gable roof and its wraparound porch, the strawberry fields still baked in the sun, the same white-columned Greek buildings were scattered around the valley, and the amphitheater, the combat arena, the dining pavilion overlooking Long Island Sound and nestled between the woods and the creek were the same cabins, a crazy assortment of twelve buildings, each representing a different god, a different Olympian god. But there was an air of danger now. You could tell something was wrong. Instead of playing volleyball in the sandpit, counselors and satyrs were stockpiling weapons in the tool shed. Dryads armed with bows and arrows talked nervously at the edge of the woods. The forest looked sickly... The grass in the meadow was pale yellow and the fire mugs on Half-Blood Hill stood out like ugly scars. Somebody had messed with my favorite place in the world, and I was not, well, a happy camper. As we made our way to the big house, I recognized a lot of kids from last summer. Nobody stopped to talk. Nobody said, welcome back. Some did double takes when they saw Tyson, but most just walked grimly past and carried on with their duties, running messages Toting swords to sharpen on the grinding wheels, the camp felt like a military school. And believe me, I know I've been kicked out of a couple. None of that mattered to Tyson. He was absolutely fascinated by everything he saw. What's that? He gasped. The stables for Pegasus, I said. The winged horses. What's that? Um, those are toilets. What's that? The cabins for campers. If they don't know who your Olympian parent is, they put you in Hermes' cabin, that brown one over there, until you're determined. Then, once they know, they put you in your dad's or mom's group. He looked at me and all, you have a cabin? Number three, I pointed to a low gray building made of sea stone. You live with friends in the cabin? No, no, just me. I didn't feel like explaining the embarrassing truth. I was the only one who stayed in that cabin because I wasn't supposed to be alive. The Big Three Gods, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades had made a pact after World War II not to have any more children with mortals. We were more powerful than regular half-life. We were too unpredictable when we got mad and tended to cause problems. Like World War II for instance, the Big Three pact had only been broken twice. Once when Zeus sired Thalia, and once when Poseidon sired me, neither of us should have been born. Thalia had gotten herself turned into a pine tree when she was twelve. Me? Well, I was doing my best not to follow her example. I had nightmares about what Poseidon might turn me into if I were on the verge of death. Plankton, maybe? Or a floating patch of kelp? When we got to the big house, we found Chiron in his apartment, listening to his favorite 1960 lounge music while he packed his saddle bags. I guess I should mention Chiron as a centaur. From the waist up, he looks like a regular middle-aged guy with curly brown hair and a scraggly beard. From the waist down, he's a white stallion. He can pass for human by the compacting his lower half into a magic wheelchair. In fact, he passed himself off as a Latin teacher during my sixth grade year, but most of the time, if the ceilings are high enough, he prefers hanging out in full centaur form. As soon as we saw him, Tyson froze. Pony! He cried. In a total rapture, Kyron turned, looking offended. I beg your pardon? Annabeth ran up and hugged him. Kyron! What's happening? You're not leaving! Her voice was shaky. Kyron was like a second father to her. Kyron ruffled her hair and gave her a kindly smile. Hello, child. And Percy, my goodness, you've grown over the year. I swallowed. Khalees said you were you were fired. Kyron's eye glinted with dark humor. Ah, well, somebody had to take the blame. Lord Zeus was most upset. The tree he created for the spirit of his daughter? Poison. Mr. D had to punish someone besides himself, you mean. I growled. Just the thought of the camp director, Mr. D, made me angry. But this is crazy, Anna cried. Kyron, you couldn't have anything to do with poisoning Thalia's tree. Nevertheless, Kyron sighed, some in Olympus do not trust me now under the circumstances. What circumstances, I asked. Kyron's face darkened. He stuffed a Latin-English dictionary into his saddle while Frank Sinatra music oozed from the boombox. Tyson was still staring at Kyron in amazement. He whimpered like he wanted to pat Kyron's flank, but was afraid to come close. Pony? Kyron stipped. My dear young Cyclops, I am a centaur, Kyron. Chiron, I said. What about the tree? What happened? He shook his head sadly. The poison used on Talia's pine is something from the underworld, Percy. Some venom even I have never seen. It must have come from a monster quite deep in the pits of Tartarus. Then we know who's responsible. Do not invoke the Titan's lord name, Percy. Especially not here. Not now. But last summer, he tried to cause a civil war in Olympus. This has to be his idea. He'd get Luke to do it, the traitor. Perhaps, Kyron said. But I fear I am being held responsible because I did not prevent it. I cannot cure it. The tree only has a few weeks left, and unless unless what? No, Kyron said. A foolish thought. The whole valley is feeling the shock of poison. The magical borders are deteriorating. The camp itself is dying. Only one source of magic would be strong enough to reverse the poison, and it was lost centuries ago. What is it, I asked. We'll go find it. Kyron closed his saddlebag. He pressed the stop button on the boombox. Then he turned and rested his hand on my shoulder. Looking me straight in the eye, Percy, you must promise me that you will not act rationally, I told I told your mother I did not want you to come here at all this summer. It's much too dangerous, but now that you are here, stay here. Train hard, learn to fight, but do not leave. Why, Axe? I want to do something. I can't just let the borders fail. The whole camp will be overrun by monsters, Kevin said. Yes, I fear so, but you must not let yourself be baited. In the hasty accent, This could be a trap of the Titan Lord. Remember last summer? He almost took your life. It was true. But still, I wanted to help so badly. I almost wanted to make Kronos pay. I mean, you'd think the Titan Lord would have learned his lesson eons ago when he was overthrown by the gods. You'd think getting trapped into a million pieces and cast into the darkest part of the underworld would give him a subtle clue that nobody wanted him around. But no, because he was immortal, he was still alive down there in Tartarus, suffering in eternal pain, hungering to return and take revenge on Olympus. He couldn't act on his own, but he was great at twisting the minds of mortals and even gods to do his dirty work. The poisoning had to be his doing. Who else would be so low as to attack Thalia's tree? The only thing left of a hero who'd given her life to save her friends. Annabeth was trying hard not to cry. Chiron brushed a tear from her cheek. Stay with Percy, child, he told her. Keep him safe. The prophecy. Remember it. I... I will. Um, I said, will this be the super dangerous prophecy that has me in it but the gods have forbidden you to tell me about? Nobody answered. Right, I muttered. Just checking. (laughs) Chiron, Annabeth said, you told me the gods made you immortal only... So long as you were needed to train heroes, if they dismiss you from camp. Swear you will do your best to keep Percy from danger, he insisted. Swear upon the river sticks. I swear it upon the river sticks. Annabeth said. Thunder rumbled outside. Very well, Chiron said. He seemed to relax just a little. Perhaps my name will be cleared and I shall return. Until then, I go visit my wild kinsmen in the Everglades. It's possible... They know of some cure for poison tree that I have forgotten. In any event, I will stay exiled until this matter is resolved, one way or another. Annabelle stifled a sharp. Kyron patted her shoulder awkwardly. There now, child. I must entrust your safety to Mr. D and the new activities director. We must hope. Well, perhaps they won't destroy the camp quite as quickly as I fear. Who is this? Tantalus guy, anyway,' I demanded. "'Where does he get off taking your job?' "'A contouring blew across the valley. "'I hadn't realized how late it was. "'It was time for the campers to assemble for dinner. "'Go,' Kyron said. "'You will meet him at the pavilion. "'I will contact your mother, Percy. "'Let her know you're safe. "'No doubt she'll be worried by now. "'Just remember my warning. "'You are in grave danger. "'Do not think for a moment that the Titan Lord has forgotten you.' "'With that, he clomped out of the apartment and down the hall.' Tyson calling out to him, Pony, don't go! I realized I'd forgotten to tell Conan about my dream of Glover. Now it was too late. The best teacher I ever had was gone, maybe for good. Tyson started bawling almost as bad as Annabelle. I tried to tell them that things would be okay, but I didn't believe it. The sun was setting behind the dining, the dining pavilion. As the campus came up from the cabins, we stood in the shadow of a marble column and watched them file in. Annabeth was still pretty shaken up, but she promised she'd talk to us later. Then she went off to join her siblings from the Athena cabin. A dozen boys and girls with blonde hair and gray eyes like hers. Annabeth wasn't the oldest, but she'd been at camp more summers than just about anybody. You could tell that by looking at her, a camp necklace, one bead for every summer, and Annabeth had six. No one questioned her right to lead the line. Next came Clarice, leading the Aries cabin. She had one arm in a sling and a nasty-looking gash on her cheek. But otherwise, her encounter with the bronze bulls didn't seem to have fazed her. Someone had tapped a piece of paper to her back said, You move, girl! But nobody in her cabin was bothering to tell her about it. After the Aries kids came to the Festus Cabin, six guys led by Charles Beckendorf, a big 15-year-old African-American kid. He had hands the size of catchers. Mint in a face that was hard and squinty from looking into a blacksmith's forge all day he was nice enough once you got to know him but no one ever called him charlie or chuck or charles most just called him beckendorf rumored was he could make anything give him a chunk of metal and he could create a razor sharp sword or robotic warrior or singing bath bird bath for your grandmother's garden whatever you wanted the other cabins filled in. Demia, Apollo, Aphrodite, Dionysus, Naiads came up from the canoe lake. Dryads melted out of the trees. From the meadow came a dozen satyrs who reminded me painfully of Glover. I'd always had a soft spot for the satyrs. When they were at camp, they had to do all kinds of odd jobs for Mister D, the director. But their most important work was out in the real world. They were the camp seekers. They went undercover in schools. All over the world, looking for the potential half bloods and escorting them back to camp. That is how I met Grover. He had been the first one to recognize I was a demigod. After the satyrs filed into Dino at Hermes' cabin, brought up the rear, they were always the biggest cabin. Last summer, it had been led by Luke, the guy who fought with Thalia and Annabeth on top of Half Blood Hill. For a while, before Poseidon had killed me, I lodged in that Hermes' cabin. Luke had befriended me, and then he tried to kill me. Now the Hermes Cabin was led by Travis and Connor Stolls. They weren't twins, but they looked so much alike, it didn't matter. I could never remember which one was older. They were both tall and skinny, with mops of brown hair that hung in their eyes. They wore orange camp half-blood T-shirts, untucked over baggy shorts, as they had those elfish features all Hermes kids had, Upturned eyebrows, sarcastic smiles, a gleam in their eyes whenever they look at you like they were about to drop a firecracker down your shirt. I'd always thought it was funny that the god of thieves would have kids with the last name stole, but the only time I mentioned it to Travis and Connor, they both stared at me blankly like they didn't get the joke. As soon as the last campers had filed in, I led Tyson into the middle of the pavilion. Conversation faltered, heads turned. Who invited that? Somebody at the Apolitale murmured. I glared in their direction, but I couldn't figure out who'd spoken. From the head table, a familiar voice dropped. Well, well, if it isn't Peter Johnson, my millennium incomplete. I gritted my teeth. Percy Jackson, sir. Mr. D sipped his Diet Coke. Yes, well, as you young people say these days, whatever. He was... He was wearing his usual leopard patterned Hawaiian shirt, walking shorts and tennis shoes, with black socks, with pudgy belly, and his blotchy red face. He looked like a Las Vegas tourist, which stayed up too late in the casinos. Behind him, nervous-looking sailor was peeling the skins off grapes and handing them to Mr. D, one at a time. Mr. D's real name is Dionysus, the god of wine. Zeus appointed him director of Camp Halfway to dry out for a hundred years. A punishment for chasing some off-limit wooden nymph. Next to him where Kyron usually sat or stood in central form was someone I'd never seen before. A pale, horrible, thin man in thread-bead-orange prisoner jumpsuit. The number over his pocket read 0001. He had blue shadows under his eyes, dirty fingernails, and badly cut gray hair like his last haircut had been done with a weed whacker. He stared at me. His eyes made me nervous. He looked fractured, angry, and frustrated and hungry, all at the same time. This boy, Dionysus told him, you need to watch. Poseidon's child, you know. Ah, the prisoner said, that one. His tone made it obvious that he had Dionysus. He and Dionysus had already discussed me at length. I'm Tantalus," the prisoner said, smiling coldly. On special assignment here until well until my lord Dionysus decides otherwise. And you, Perseus Jackson, I do expect you to refrain from causing any more trouble. Trouble? I demanded. Dionysus snapped his fingers. A newspaper appeared on the table. The front page of today's News New York Post. There was my yearbook, printed from Meriwether Prep. It was hard for me to make out the headline, but I had a pretty good guess what it said. Something like, 13-year-old lunatic tortures gymnasium. Yes, trouble, Tantalus said with satisfaction. You caused plenty of it last summer, I understand. I was too mad to speak. Like it was my fault the gods had almost gotten into s- Civil War. A in forward nervously and set a plate of barbecue meat in front of Tantalus. the New Activities Director licked his lips. He looked at his empty goblet and said, Root Beer, Special Stock, 1967. The glass filled itself with foamy soda. Tanculus stretched out his hand, hastily, as if he were afraid the goblet was hot. Go on then, old fellow, Dinus said, a strange sparkle in his eyes. Perhaps now it will work. Tanculus grabbed for the glass, but it scooted away before he could touch it. A few drops of rupia spilled, and Tantalus tried to dab them up with his fingers, but the drops rolled like quicksilver. before he could touch them. He growled and turned towards the plate of meat and picked up a fork and tried to stab a piece of biscuit, but the plate skidded down the table and flew off the end, right into the coals of the brazier. Blast! Tantalus muttered. Ah, well... Dionysus said, his voice dripping with false sympathy. Perhaps a few more days. Believe me, old chap working at this camp will be torture enough. I'm sure your old curse will fade eventually. Eventually, I murmured. Tantalus, staring at Dionysus. Diet Coke, do you have any idea how dry one's throat gets after three thousand years? You're the spirit from the fields of punishment, I said. The one who stands in the lake with the fruit tree hanging over you. But you can't eat a drink, Tantalus sneered at me. A real scholar, aren't you, boy? You must have done something real horrible when you were alive, I said, mildly impressed. What was it? Tantalus' eyes narrowed behind him. The satyrs were shaking their head vigorously, trying to warn me. I'll be watching you, Pussy Jackson, Tantalus said. I don't want any problems at my camp. Your camp has problems already, sir. Oh, sit down, Johnson, Dionysus sighed. I believe that table over there is yours, the one where nobody else ever wants to sit. My face was burning, but I knew better than to talk back. Dionysus was an overgrown brat, but he was a immortal, super powerful overgrown brat, I said. Come on, Tyson. Oh no, Tantalus said. The monster stays here. We must decide what to do with it. him, I snapped. His name is Tyson. The new activities director raised an eyebrow. Tyson saved the camp, I insisted. He pounded those bronze bulls, otherwise they would have burned down this whole place. Yes, Angeles sighed, and what a pity that would have been. Dionysus snickered. Leave us, Angeles ordered, while we decide this creature's fate. Tyson looked at me with fear in his big eye. But I knew I couldn't disobey a direct order from the camp's director, not openly anyway. I'll be right over here big guy i promise don't worry we'll find you a good place to sleep tonight tyson nodded i believe you you're my friend which made me feel a whole lot guilty i trudged over to the poseidon table and slumped onto the beach a wooden brought me a plate of olympian olive and pepperoni pizza but i wasn't hungry i'd been almost killed twice today i managed to end my school year with a complete disaster Cam half was in serious trouble, and Kyren had told me not to do anything about it. I didn't feel very thankful, but I took my dinner, as was customary, up to the bronze razor, scrapped a part of it into the flames. Poseidon, I murmured, accept my offering, and send me some help while you're at it, I prayed silently, please. The smoke from the burning pizza changed into something fragrant. The smell of clean sea breeze with wildflowers mixed in but I had no idea if that meant my father was really listening. I went back to my seat. I didn't think things could get much worse, but then Tangela had one of those satyrs blow the cons horn to get our attention for announcement. Yes, well, Tangela said, once the talking had died down. Another fine meal, or so I'm told, as he spoke. He inced his hand towards the refilled dinner plate as if the food wouldn't noticed what he was doing but it did it shot away down the table soon he got within 20 centimeters and here on the first day of authority he continued i'd like to say what a pleasure form a punishment it is to be here over the course of the summer i hope to torture uh, interact with each and every one of your children you all look good enough to eat dionysus clapped politely leading to some half-hearted applause from the satyrs Tyson was still standing at the head table, looking confused. But every time he tried to scoot out of the limelight, Tantalus pulled him back. And now, some changes, Tantalus gave the campers a crooked smile. We are restraining the chariot races. Murmuring broke out at all the tables. Excitement, fear, disbelief. Now, I know, Tantalus continued, raising his voice, that these races were discontinued some years ago due to uh, technical problems. Three deaths and twenty six multitudes, someone at the Apollo table called. Yes, yes, Tantalus said. But I know that you will all join me in welcoming the return of this camp tradition. Golden bowls will go to the winning chariots each month. Teams may register in the morning. The first race will be held in three days' time. We will release you from most of your regular activities to prepare your chariots and choose your horses. Oh, and did I mention the victorious? Team will have no chores for the month in which they win. An explosion of excitement, conversation, no KP for a whole month, no stable cleaning. Was he serious? Then the last person I expected to ad- object did so. But, sir, Chloe said. She looked nervous, but she stood up to speak. The Aries table. Some of the campers snickered when they saw the You Move! girl sign on her back. What about patrol duty? I mean, if we drop everything to ready our chariots. Ah, the hero of the day, Tantilus exclaimed. Brave Clarice, who single-handedly bested the bronze bulls. Clarice brings thin blood. Um, I didn't. And modest, too. Tantalus grinned. Not to worry, my dear. This is a summer camp. We are here to enjoy ourselves, yes? But the tree... And now Tantalus said as several Chloe's cabins made, pulled her back into her seat. Before we proceed to the campfire sing along, one slight housekeeping issue. Percy Jackson and Annabeth Chase have seen fit for some reason to bring this here. Tantalus waved a hand towards Tyson. Uneasy murmuring spread among the campers. A lot of sideway looks at me. I wanted to kill Tantalus. Now, of course, he said, Cyclops have a reputation for being bloodthirsty monsters with a very small brain capacity. Under normal circumstances, I would release this beast into the woods and have you hunt it down with torches and pointed sticks. But who knows, perhaps this Cyclops is not as horrible as most of its brethren. Until it proves worthy of destruction, we need a place to keep it. I thought about the stables but that will make the horses nervous. Hermes' cabin, possibly? Silence at Hermes' table. Travis and Connor's soul develop a sudden interest in tablecloth. I couldn't blame them. The Hermes' cabin was always full to bursting. There was no way they could take in two-meter cyclops. Come now, Tindless chided. The monster may be able to do some me I know chores. Any suggestion as to where such a beast should be kenneled? Suddenly, everyone but he gasped. Tantalus scooted away from Tyson in surprise. All I could do was stare in disbelief at the violent green light that was about to change my life. A dazzling holographic image that had appeared above Tyson's head. With a snickering twist in my stomach, I remembered what Annabeth had said about Cyclops. They're the children of nature spirits and gods. Well, one god in particular, usually. Swirling over Tyson was a glowing green trident. The same symbol that had appeared above me the day Poseidon had claimed me and his son. There was a moment of awed silence. Being claimed was a rare event. Some campers waited in vain for it their whole lives. When I'd been claimed by Poseidon last summer, everybody had reverently knelt. But now they followed Tantalus' lead, and Tantalus roared with laughter. <laughs> well, I think we know where to put the beast now. By the gods, I could see the family resemblance. Everybody laughed, except Annabeth and a few of my other friends. Tyson didn't seem to notice. He was too mystified, trying to swap the glowing trident that was now fading over his head. He was too innocent to understand how much they were making fun of him, how cool people were. But I got it. I had a new cabin mate. I had a monster for a half-brother.